Are we okay forcing people to do things they don't want to do? It's the founding ideas that make our country great. Caesar was garbage, and so are today's bureaucrats. You're listening to Self-Evident and Forgotten. Here are your hosts, Stanton, Christie, and Cody. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Self-Evident and Forgotten. It's your favorites, the teacher, the chairwoman, and the gunslinger, Stanton, Christie, and Cody. Uh, we've been chatting here for the past few weeks, which is why y'all haven't heard from us. So let me explain what's, uh, what's been happening. Uh, we love you, our listeners, you few, you happy few. And uh, we spent September gathering some feedback from you personally. Uh, we've taken that into account, and we're shaking some things up just a bit. Uh, besides our fancy new intro music, which we hope you like, we've settled on a different, little bit different of a format that we think is a good path forward. So once a month toward the end of the month, uh, we'll take about an hour to cover some major events or news that happened in that month. Uh, we'll say what happened, our thoughts, chat about how the founding fathers would have thought about it, and uh, kind of leave it there. Then in the middle of the upcoming month, We'll do about an hour and a half, two-hour deep dive into one of those moments from the news and really pull it apart. Uh, so if you like to hear what we have to say about the news, you'll like that end-of-the-month episode. If you want to hear nerds talk about freedom, oh, then you're going to want to stick around for the middle-of-the-month one as well. But something that will never change is the random question of the episode. Christy and Cody, who is your favorite actor or actress? Silent pause. Um, that is that is hard, actually. Possibly someone whose name I do not even know, but she is the actress in Anne of Green Gables, the one that was like out when I was a kid. It's like this super oh, long four-hour movie. She is wonderful, and I love her. <laughs> okay, I'll have to look. I don't know if I've ever actually seen that one. I might have to go back and find that out. So the, uh, if you don't have sisters who made you sit down and watch it with with them, you probably have never seen it. But oh, I, talk talk to my wife. She lives with people her whole life that have never had like sisters. I don't have sisters. Our roommate doesn't have sisters. Her father doesn't have sisters. Her mother didn't have sisters. The only person in her my. life that has sisters is her, and there's one <laughs> sister. So Hello. like, uh, no, I've never been forced by my older sisters. I have so younger sad. brothers. So yeah, sad. so sad. So sad. Cody, how about yourself? Uh, so I am a, this is a tough one. I, so I'm a big Tim Burton fan for, so I know that we're talking about actors. So yeah. I'm a Tim Burton fan. I also really like Soddenheim. Uh, and so there's one actor that ends up melding those things together. And we are not making any judgments on personal lives here. Uh, Johnny Depp. Hey, Listen. I I love me some prime Johnny Depp character acting, just like going from a drunken pirate to a, the demon barber of Fleet Street. I just I can't I can't little, get over that. A weirdo chocolate maker. He, yeah, I mean it's just <laughs> I just I, I love the uh, the the expansion in the the living of the role. Very good, very good. I, I I'll back that. I'll get behind that. 
Um, I think probably my favorite actor um, has it's probably got to be Anthony Hopkins. I've never seen a movie or role that he was in that I disliked. There have been some movies on the whole that I disliked, but I didn't dislike his performance. Um, I mean, and, and, and you know, I for those of you who don't know, I I direct theater at our high school, and so I I, I have to teach acting. I I try to go over it, and um, for anyone out there who who who's going to get butt hurt about this, I don't think method acting is acting. I think method acting is what Daniel Day Lewis does, right? He doesn't pretend to be someone; he embodies them completely. He 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 is that person for the show, and you know that's not acting; that's being a different person. And Anthony Hopkins says, "If you can't turn it off, then that's not acting." So I appreciate that, and he always yields really, really, really good results. Um, from uh, Elephant Man, man from the eighties, it was awesome. That was my mom's favorite movie. I, I cannot believe you have seen it. I have never met another person who has seen that movie. <laughs> my my mom did a very good job of making sure I had a strong cultural education and watching old black and white films and 80s yes. black and white films is was very important. So yes. And yeah, I Anthony Hopkins, he's my guy. He's my guy. Johnny Dutt, Anthony Hopkins, and uh the gal from. I'm going to butcher the name because I haven't seen the movie. Uh, Anne of Green Gables. And Anne her name is Megan Follows. She was a child actress. There uh, you go. But yes, she's wonderful. Excellent. Well, Cody, do you have a segue for me here? I got nothing. <laughs> I don't either. That's <laughs> I know. I look to you. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I have nothing here. Normally, I like throw up you that nice softball whenever I, I, I can. I, uh, yeah. Nope. This, well, is, this is just going to be the harshest transition in the history of transitions. I Sure, why not? So here we go. Here's our transition. That is not a transition. Man, we, our English teachers would be so ashamed of us. Um, to kind of kick off this uh, uh, news from the month, I mean, we're talking about September. I know it's October, what, probably going to be October 6th or 7th by the time we publish. I know it's October, but we're going to talk about September. And we are introducing our ABCs of the month. Uh, our first up, A's, is aspiring autocrats, those terrible bureaucrats and politicians that you just love to hate. And this month, in honor uh, of our great form of government, I will uh, call out the entirety of Congress, um, who approved a massive spending bill to keep the government afloat until September. Excuse me, until December. Sorry, my bad. Until December. September's already passed. We're starting um, small, kids. Starting small. Starting small, right? Congress is a nice, nice chunk of people that we can just cross off our list of terrible. Um, and I guess we could be fair. We could say those who approved the spending bill. There were some of the minority. We'll, we'll count them. I'm sure Amash was in there somewhere. But debt ceiling, debt, period. If you as an individual have debt, right, you pay it off. And if you don't pay it off, the bank comes for you. You have a credit limit. You can't go beyond your debt. And at some point, you got to pay up. You, someone's going to collect. Well, Congress has no one to collect on it because it's Congress. They don't have a credit limit, right? Your credit card only goes up to, say, the $1,000, a month. They don't have that because their credit limit, called the debt ceiling, is set by them. And so every time they get close to saying, oh, we're almost out of our 
borrowing limit, they just raise the borrowing limit. They raise the debt ceiling. And this has been an issue, crap, since for how long? When did it become like a political issue to raise the debt ceiling? Mid-2000s, 2010? Yeah. Well, pre, no. It it started under Bush Jr., right? Did it? I don't know. I think it started under Bush Jr. Because he was, they, there weren't many raises before him. And then since Bush Jr., there's been like 46 debt ceiling raises or something like that. When after 9-11, it became a whole thing. Yeah, because I know that Ronald Reagan had a bunch of uh, deficits himself, but like the the issue was never about whether we raise or not raise the debt ceiling. But uh, Chrissy, I imagine you have some thoughts on the debt ceiling. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Well, I think one of Biden's cabinet secretaries, Janet Yellen, who I think we covered on a previous episode, oh, actually yeah. said we shouldn't even have a debt ceiling. We should just abolish it. And, and this is the person in charge of finance and economics at the cabinet level. She was that, the chairwoman of the Federal Reserve. Yes, yes, that's oh. what she was before. And so it's insane that that's the kind of conversation we're having at the highest levels of government as well. What's a debt ceiling? Might as well eliminate it altogether. Mm-hmm. I, I will, in, in the interest of fairness, point out that the giant majority of Republicans in Congress and the Senate did vote against this bill. Um, 175 Republicans in the House voted against it, only 34 of them supported it, whereas on the other side of the aisle, it was unanimous. So I, I do have to point that out. The, so not to not to call you out, Chris, I just, I, I'm asking a historical question. Under Trump, did Republicans raise the debt ceiling or did we, or did they ever get close? I just, yeah, I just, no, I mean, I think it's pretty much a fact that the government spent too much money under Trump. I would, I think almost any Republican would admit that to you and say there have been a number of Republican presidents in recent history who have also neglected to curb spending. And that's where you'll see like the very conservative Republicans say, hey, if we're going to talk about uh, being responsible with money, our party better model it when we're elected to the highest levels. And we haven't done the best job of that. Yeah. I mean, and something that I've always been so when I taught economics, my kids would ask me, what if we didn't raise a debt ceiling? What if we got to the point where we, we, had, we couldn't spend any more? Um, well, there are two things. And most people, I think, know what the first one is. Cody, do you want to say what that first thing is? No, no. I was just going to backpedal here a little bit. Didn't Trump suspend the debt ceiling? Suspend or raise? Suspend. I don't even know what that means. What does it mean to suspend the debt ceiling? Like paused the... like dealing with the raise lower it's just like you get to borrow wasn't that under trump i don't know how that would work with your bonds though i have no idea i thought that was a thing maybe i'm making things up i could be maybe, making things up but that sound i don't i don't even know how that would how that would work. so all right so what cody's getting it and, and and here's your little economics lesson if the congress gets to a point where they can no longer borrow money to operate the government the first thing that happens what i think everyone understands is the government shuts down Cody, what does that mean? What does it mean for the government to shut down? Just like disappear? Well, so fun fact, Cody used to be a government employee. <gasps> Santon still is. Federal government? A federal government employee. Ooh, he was the ARC bureaucrat. Yeah, I, I worked for Department of Justice. Mm. And during my time with Department of Justice, we were threatened with a government shutdown. <laughs> uh, so what happens? It's really weird. So basically, every federal office has mandatory staff and has non-mandatory staff. Mm -hmm. And the mandatory staff in a federal shutdown 
have to go to work. You, you still have to show up. There's no bureaucracy doesn't end. It just becomes even less efficient. And so half of the employees in a lot of offices go home, half of them stay certain. It's kind of like, I don't know if there was an entity out there that told you your job was essential or not essential. I know that I'm just making things up in some weird talking about some weird dystopia, but the government has this. And so they have some, when you say mandatory, you're like, do they get paid still? Oh, no, you don't. Uh Oh, so you can imagine how individuals react when they're told to go into work and that they're not going to get paid by their employer, their employer being the federal government. Now, my understanding is that every suspension, every shutdown that's ever occurred, eventually when the budget is approved, they vote to cover complete back pay for all federal bureaucrats, including those that didn't go to work, mind you. Uh, so there's always this like, prospect that once you get back like once the budget gets figured out you're going to get paid eventually anyway there uh, was a long shutdown we had a couple of years ago was that under late obama or early trump i can't remember which one it was, it was. late obama it was yeah, when like was the like, federal parks were also shut down yeah like a month, shutting down months extra worth? things to punish people my dad works for the federal government did back then still does so he was part of the shutdown he thought it was insane exactly what cody was just explaining you tell some people to work, others not to, but they all end up getting paid equally. Yeah. So like paying people not to work is what mm-hmm. it ends up being, which, oh, that's what the government's doing now in a whole lot of ways. So not that different. And just to, and so you get this shutdown, right? You get this weird thing where government doesn't do anything, but they're all going to get paid anyway, eventually. The other thing that'll happen if it goes on for long enough, and this is the weird part that we haven't ever really seen. Because Congress over the past, 200 years has spent so much money that we're what what was it out 30 trillion 28 too much i have no idea too much worth like 30 trillion dollars in the hole and we have so much debt that we have to actually borrow money in order to pay off our debt which means that if we don't raise the debt limit to borrow money we can no longer pay off the debt we already have well, the problem is there's so much of our debt floating around the whole world global economy that if we just say, yeah, we're not going to pay because we can't, all those people who are relying upon the federal government's bonds to be paid off, they just lost all that money. We're talking about massive economic collapse on a, if you thought that whatever China is dealing with right now, or whatever we dealt with in 2008, even the Great Depression, you can no, that's all gone. So Congress has essentially set up a system where they are forced by political incentive to always raise the debt ceiling. And that's why it's become a, that new political issue. Um, but here's the biggest thing, and I, th- I want to focus on this for, for, for today. This particular spending bill, right, we're raising the debt ceiling. This is a temporary measure, right? I think it's called a, a continuing resolution which means nothing in the budget is actually changing. We're just adding more of what we already have been doing. And it's only lasts for a few months, in this case, until December. They always seem to wait until the last possible minute to deal with this issue. And then when they can't figure it out, they just say, ah, continuing resolution. Everyone, no one wins, everyone wins. Chrissy, you're our politico. Why do these 435, 535 people in Congress wait so damn long? 
So uh, I would say that it's actually not all 435 of them in the House and 100 of them in the Senate. Part I, of my cynicism, the uh, indeed, group indeed. of people who are in the majority that make this happen. Right, which I mean, you know, right now, I think why you saw it wait so long this time, there's always a different explanation every time. And yet it always leads to the exact same result. You're right. They wait until the last minute and just continue the spending and debts and et cetera anyway. However, this particular time, you kind of saw the Democrat Party implode on itself in Congress and the progressive wing, the squad, they basically said, like, we will not pass your stuff if you do not agree to ours, knowing that there wasn't enough agreement in their own party to come anywhere near the deal they wanted to make. Yet they insisted on it. Nancy Pelosi had that revolt on her hands. And then she's still super insistent on what she wants. And in the Senate, you have Joe Manchin and shockingly Kristen Cinema. That does not stop um, shocking me that she is she's so liberal. But yeah. on this, she won't do she won't eliminate the filibuster and she won't budge on spending, at least so far, which is just weird. But and hey, not, and aren't the Democrats also dealing with the uh, infrastructure bill, the trillion dollar infrastructure bill? We talked about this a couple episodes ago. Yeah, because they're still like that's being used as a as a, as right. a whip to get people to do something. Yeah, it's like a bargaining chip. They're yeah. like basing everything everything on each other. It's like this giant balancing act. So my point is there's always some kind of bargaining chip like this that's Mm -hmm. going on simultaneously with the resolution, the continuing resolution that ends up getting passed that the different factions of the party in power, in this case, the Democrats, use to wage war on each other and then it pushes it until the last minute. Right, right. And, you know, at least there is one positive benefit that comes out of this, in my opinion. Uh, I think the Senate Republicans... I think they basically held uh, Biden's vaccine mandate hostage. They basically said, we'll sign, we'll, we will sign your continuing resolution until December, so long as Biden can't do anything with his vaccine mandate until that point. So he, they're, they're postponing that, that OSHA ruling um, that requires companies with 100 or more get vaccinated. So that was, that's a positive, I guess. Can we pause just for half a second here? We can always pause for you. So we're talking about second is up now. (laughs) (laughs) My pregnant pregnant pauses. (laughs) Third trimester, third trimester. Uh, So what we're talking about right now is the U.S. has to raise its debt ceiling or we run out of money and we have a total government shutdown. Shutdown, I'm using air quotes. And the bargaining chips are a competing $1.1 trillion infrastructure bill and then a $3.5 trillion infrastructure bill. And then the other bargaining chip is a vaccine mandate imposed on companies that have 100 or more employees. How the hell are we here? I would say the Democrats is how we're here. But, you know, I would say that. (laughs) <laughs> well, but I mean, the Re- the Republicans have been raising debt just as much as the, the Democrats have this this idea that the raising of the debt ceiling is I, I it's it, this is a bipartisan thing. It's just passing the ball. We're just deciding what government programs we're spending money on at this point. It's because Alexander Hamilton made sure that the Constitutional Convention did not put in a credit limit in the constitution that's why we're way back there we're going way back we are a foundational principle thing yes we are there is a foundational (laughs) principle in the constitution that allows congress to do whatever the hell it wants could have made our country great 
Patrick Henry, you needed to show up, damn it. Uh, okay, don't <laughs> don't throw my my man under the bus here. But that's kind of what I'm that's kind of what I mean, right? It's like we're getting into this. Oh, should we raise the debt ceiling? What's the appropriate level? Is there a tr- infrastructure bill? And like the things that we're debating are so far outside of what Congress should be doing. And they're using our lives as political bargaining chips. This whole scenario, uh, there's a joke I tell all my students and my fellow teachers, especially the math teachers, right? I look, uh, one teacher actually, Hey, Scourge, do you want to sub for my class? And I'm like, I don't do math. I I need you to understand political science majors. This is how math works. $40 billion, $80 billion. I mean, there's not really a difference here. So just do whatever you want. So it's not really a reliable metric. Spoken like a true Keynesian. (laughs) No joke, dude. No joke. The good news is we can solve all these problems by just printing a $1 trillion coin, right? Eventually, we'll talk about the uh, the modern monetary theory. We'll talk about that that nonsense. We'll talk about that. <laughs> that's that's getting into the wheat. We might do that for a deep dive one of these days. There we go. So that's that's just like as I was looking at this and thinking about this and looking at like we're literally we're bargaining between vaccine mandates for major corporations, raising the debt ceiling, which means that the average debt of a of the American, the American household, like somebody's going to have to pay that back someday. Well, maybe. Or maybe not, or maybe we just go to war and it's over. But like that is raising the debt burden on American families. Like this is, it's not like this is some, oh, it's going to cost $0 thing. This is insane. So we're debating the government's improper use of, of our taxes, the taxes that they collect from us, the government's improper use of the debt ceiling to basically impose debt and then some inflation on every American family or the government's improper use of its authority to mandate vaccines for private corporations. It's like negotiating with a thief, not if they're going to steal from you, but how much they're going to steal from you and when they're going to steal from you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or they've right, stolen all. Th- yeah. Or they've already stolen three things and we're like, look, just don't walk out of the house with all three at the same time. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. All right, any other <laughs> thoughts? Any other thoughts on the debt ceiling? No. Because <laughs> no. we're just going to get depressed and make this as the own episode. Let's go on to B, right? We had A, aspiring autocrats. B, BS bureaucracy, right? Those stupid and asinine rules from your friendly neighborhood regulator. This month, uh, Colorado <laughs> put, thank you, Cody. I appreciate that. <laughs> Colorado put into effect a law that creates, um, a monitoring process for how much energy large buildings use uh, for the purpose of a brand new commission to collect data on energy use so that this new commission can create rules, regulations uh, on how construction companies in the future build new large spaces in order to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 20% by 2030. Um. I'll let either one of you go. I could go on this for days. This just this sounds so benign and so kind of uh, whatever. This is just construction companies. I have a real stick with this. So if either of you want to talk first, please be my guest. Why? Like, why are we here? Because <laughs> Kathy Kipp felt like she had nothing better to do than interfere in people's lives. That's right. why. Well, and I mean, I think this is the exact way that they insert themselves by they, I mean, bureaucrats and government insert themselves into people's lives is a new commission and a new study. And then before anyone is actually paying attention, it's actually 
part of the law. Like they're doing this with a mileage tax at the federal government level right now. Ooh, instead of imposing a mileage tax, let's go ahead and study it. And then they're eventually going to stink it in and people aren't paying attention. So yes, this is always how they start these kind of things. And what really stands out to me is that this is owners of large buildings. Like their, their standards are so arbitrary. Like what is a large building? And clearly I'm sure they define it in the law, but the, the point being what made them use that measure like why on the vaccine mandate did they do a hundred employees? Why not 99? Why a large building instead of a medium large building or a super large building? Like there's no actual rationale to justify any of their things, except they want control and they're going to take it. And the law allows the commission to make exemptions, right? Which of which, course it does. Which lobbyist is going to oh, be able those to get an exemption, right? Definitely aren't going to be abused. Oh, absolutely not. And this this <clears throat> This is just another barrier to construction, to building buildings. And this will make it more expensive in a state already struggling to supply enough housing for people. This is already, this is going to make it more expensive because I don't know what the definition for big is, but I can't imagine it doesn't include apartment buildings. Like that, apartment buildings are probably the number one contributor to pollution after your major industrial centers right? You got air conditioning. You've got uh, how much electricity, especially right now, because the government's forcing people back into their homes, right? That they have to work from home. So they're using up a massive amount of electricity on that. So this is just another one of those instances where someone, some politician, in this case, Kathy Kipp from Fort Collins, unfortunately, said, this is important and we're going to do it. And this we're just going to make the world better for this. All the while her people in Fort Collins are struggling with massive rents and massive mortgages. But, you know, she already lives here. She already has her house. So probably doesn't even matter because she, no, why would it for the, for the environment? 20% better. Yeah. Well, and you probably saw this, but one of the provisions of this bill specifically also allows the state to create a database of covered buildings and owners required to comply. So it's another uh, tracking system of, which of course the the data is often publicly available, but now they're, but you got to go find it. You have to have a reason to want it. And now they are making it very easy for, okay, here's all the polluters. Here's all the, you know, the owners of these large, large buildings in the same way they call out you know, the wealthy and the rich and the corporations. Oh, here's another list of people to call out and go after, basically. Big brother, he comes for you and he comes for me. It's just, to me, it's this like, I don't know. It's this. Oh, there's there's Cody's garage underneath him. (laughs) (laughs) It's this perpetual refusal to acknowledge the actual effects of these policies, right? Like, how do people not understand that putting these into effect is going to raise rents and stand by my read of the definition? You're right. This is going to cover apartment buildings that have a gross floor area of 50,000 square feet or more. Yep. Uh, this is going to raise rents and who's going to feel that the people that have to rent apartments, who are the people that have to rent apartments? I mean, it's just so obvious when you see this. These and there yeah, goes there the garage. Door door, door's closing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so. I mean, and this one's not even. This one's not even hidden. This isn't like some hidden tertiary effect. But this is very obvious. What's going to happen here? It, and, it, it baffles me how people don't understand the law of unintended consequences. 
or maybe this is an intended consequence. Maybe they are deliberately trying to make it more expensive. Who knows? Yeah, it's this is why is government regulating these things? Why aren't we pushing back on these regulations? And and there is nothing in this that protects individual rights, that protects the individual, that you know stops others from infringing upon your rights. This is pure, just bureaucratic. I mean, I'm sure this will create a lot of government jobs. Uh, at least a commission worth. Yeah. A commission, an office, and then you're going to have to have review people for the pe- the reviewers. And then you're going to have to ensure. Like, Listen, Cody, I, I agree. Let's absolutely prohibit and repeal all zoning laws. 100% agree with you there. Repeal all zoning laws. That, that's my take. That's my take for today. I, I, I'm in. Hey, we got, lots we got of people to, aren't going to agree with us there, but I, my, gra- well, I my was grandfather was rolling his grave in a county. I cannot remember which county it was. Like I traveled to all the counties in Colorado with my mm-hmm. job, and they actually do not have zoning in their <gasps> county, and instead they have a specific planning commission where they evaluate every proposal or every project, and it's members of the community who like know each other, and it works much better than typical zoning. It's very interesting, actually. So tell me, does this planning commission approve or disapprove what happens? Uh, they have, they have, I mean, they have authority over it, but there's not like flat zoning where you couldn't make an argument that your kind of use of the property should be allowed and used. Like that's my problem with some zoning. You may have other like. problems with it. So uh, that... just discretionary so, so, bureaucracy so hold, so hold, instead hold of. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Better than like a... no exceptions bureaucracy though. No, no, that's fair. In an imperfect world, right? In an imperfect world. Which we it live is in. Better, <laughs> it is better to petition your king to do what you want with your own property than to rely upon a robot that always gives you the same answer. <laughs> uh, I, I will concede that. Having to go to my tyrant king as compared to my tyrant oh my robot goodness. is probably better. I will grant you that. Wow. You guys I'm know s- that the city of Houston has no zoning laws, right? Like a not. major city in the United States has no I've zoning laws. I've never been to Houston. Is it a good city? I mean, I, I, I enjoyed my time there. Yeah. Is it a paradise of buildings and movement and all that fun stuff? I mean, it's a major functioning metropolis. Well, functioning depending on... <laughs> your well, views on it. some things but listen I the mean, infrastructure problem that we saw from texas in last winter may may not be the best argument we'll see <laughs> we'll, we'll see we'll i see. just i mean there's there's no there zoning is in, in fact a city that is not totally barbaric in somalia that has no zoning laws i will okay good enough good yeah enough. and then we just lost all our somali listeners thanks stanton oh i'm so sorry <laughs> i'm so sorry so so Sorry. All right. So we have A, aspiring autocrats, B, BS bureaucracy, and last but not least, corrupt cronies, the worst of both worlds, corporate and government. And um, this one's a little bit probably more serious of a topic for us to discuss. Not that everything we don't talk is serious. Um, in mid-September, uh, the uh, Congress had a hearing in which uh, a variety of Olympic gymnasts for the United States, um, such as Simona Biles, uh, testified on how the FBI mishandled the sexual abuse case of um, Larry Nasser, the former um, doctor and physician for the Olympic gymnast team. Uh, and they basically talked, and, and when I say mishandled, how the FBI mishandled this case, they, they didn't just like bundle the investigation. They didn't really do 
an investigation. They ignored the Olympians for years. I think one of the Olympians reported in detail to a case manager in 2015, and we're still dealing with this today. And a couple of FBI agents have been fired. One has been, one, one resigned. But there's been like no wholesale mark or investigation into the FBI. And I think that's why Congress is having this hearing. In fact, a couple of senators said, um, uh, this is a dark stain on the FBI's reputation. And I saw that. And my gut reaction was, yeah, but the whole FBI is a stain. At least that's what I tend to think. Because since, and if you don't know the background, Cody, do you know the background of the FBI, starting with Hoover? Oh, I mean, well, it started with as the Bureau of Investigations, right? In like the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. And then Hoover, then it becomes the FBI in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. Hoover takes over. He's the director for 50 years. So, and she, we yeah. like know for a fact that he just used his position to blackmail people left, right, and center, right? Like this is well known. Jagger Hoover blackmailed or attempted to blackmail every president from his beginning all the way through Nixon until he died. Um, he attempted to frame uh, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. for being a, a traitor so that he would stop his movement. Um, he spied illegally on various uh, office holders and presidents alike. Um, he fabricated evidence evidence in the pursuit of hunting down communists. Uh, Jagger Hoover's not a good guy. And the defining character of- But he has F- a building name after him. The FBI's building, very good. Shocking. <laughs> and, and, and maybe this is being overly critical because I'm sure there are excellent agents of the FBI who do their job spectacularly, who are doing their best to uphold the law, to, uh, to respect the, the, the rights of those who they investigate. My problem isn't with individual agents. My problem is with the institution itself. Because if your defining character, your leader for 50 years, was J. Edgar Hoover, I have a hard time believing that the after history doesn't resemble some element of corruption like he did. And I think we see that in some elements of modern history. But Christy, I think you have some thoughts because I see you, <laughs> you're over, because you know, you know, Code and I, we're willing to go against any element of authority. We're willing to, <laughs> we're willing to beat down the door of these guys. But you, you might have some Again, if you if you missed uh, the last episode in the news, it was just Cody and me, and we were so, so harsh and so pessimistic about everything. And we realized- <laughs> Just probably why people liked it. No, we needed no. you, Christy. We needed you. Christy wasn't there to balance, out, balance us out because we can go down a really, really dark hole really fast. And Christy is our, our, our perpetual sh- uh, beam of optimism. So Christy, if you have anything to say, positive <laughs> or negative about the FBI, I would love to hear it right now. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you make some good points. And I think, in my view, certainly, in, and I'll go more on recent years rather than the history, I think in recent years, the FBI has become more and more politicized. And there's no way you can deny that. Um, and they've been used for the political gain of whoever is controlling them, which people would assume to be the president. It's not always the president, as we saw when Trump was president. 
Um, and I mean, even, even today, there was news that the Attorney General, Merrick Garland, who ooh, so many people thought should be on the Supreme Court with what he did today, it's a giant question what kind of a justice he would have been on the Supreme Court, um, certainly a disaster. But he is ordering the FBI to basically turn against parents who oppose critical race theory in the public schools, um, citing, yes, this just came out today. Uh, it's, it's very new news, but he's citing uh, threats. And really, what are these parents doing? They're showing up at school board meetings. They are testifying in droves, hundreds of people at once. But, oh, I thought we had the First Amendment right to protest in the streets last summer. You and have that the First was... Amendment right to petition your government. It's a specific hey. one. Oh, yeah. No, but this is what the attorney general is doing, using trying to mobilize the FBI against parents who want to have a say in what their children are taught. Did so you at least have for, some legal justification for this? You just say, oh, yeah, go there's do a it. whole memo on it. You can go read it. But so, of course, they're going to make it sound like, ooh, so threatening. I think um, the National School Board Association, incidentally, opposed these same parents saying that they it was domestic terrorism to oppose critical race theory at school board meetings. So this is what we're dealing with. For anyone who thought, well, hey, the FBI going against Trump, I mean, oh, that's justified. Because there's people who say that, who in my view are wrong. But well, when you get to politically mobilize the FBI, they can be used to ignore the claims of these gymnasts. They can be used to turn against parents who don't agree with the current bureaucrats in charge. It They become a very politicized wing that targets citizens. So I don't think the FBI in and of itself is bad. I think you could look at the human trafficking wings, some of the cybersecurity wings who have done very good work in the FBI. And I believe there's very good agents, but as a whole, has the agency gotten a giant stain because they're so politicized against average citizens? Yes. And it's wrong. This is the entire, I mean, this is why we don't have this is why you don't have a national police force people like this is the reason and this is where christy and i are going to disagree i'm going to agree with everything <laughs> she started off with the problem is how do you rein it in what, what do you like so we're just going to magic we're, we're going to stop an agency from being used or abused i mean bureaucratic power and, and you know bureaucrats want a bureaucrat i mean how is they've they there are constraints on their power written into statute there are limits on what they can do you know there are things that they i don't know they're not allowed to like monitor domestic citizens yet here we are we've gotten to a point where we now are seeing the effects of allowing this even what we think of as checked power to perpetually grow and exist and not only are we seeing instances like with this i mean they're calling they're basically Garland is saying that there is a rise in threats that are being made against school board officials by parents. And so he's saying it is a specific threat. It is not merely just, you know, going in and petitioning for redress from your government. So we have the FBI that's abusing its power and is going to start investigating school board meetings in your local community. And yet the police, which you already have, and the county sheriffs, which you probably already have as well. Which is their proper role. Of, the that's the proper control. role of your local officials, right. your local law enforcement officials. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, they also can't protect U.S. gymnasts from, I mean, what has come mm-hmm. out to be a, a serial rapist. Mm-hmm. Yes. And just completely ignore it. What good are they doing? 
Like, let's, let's put up all the goods. Let's put up all the bads and we'll see. But I mean, you have this agency that's just trotting on people's rights, was used as a blackmail agency when it started and has yet to show a good track record. I mean, you you don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. I get that that's, that's the idea, but there's not a net good here. There's not a net benefit. This, these are things that need to be localized. You need a localized police force. You need local people that can respond to these issues. Your county sheriff should be able to go to your school board meeting and figure out if there's an actual threat of violence available, not some FBI agent from Washington, D.C. Yeah. And, right. and, and, this, and the thing I, uh, and I, and, and I think we're going to take the FBI, I think, I think we're going to take this FBI question. I think we're going to deep dive into this one. I think this is going to be our first deep dive. But just to briefly comment on how um, the FBI specifically operates, the the director of the FBI has like a, a fixed term that he can't be removed except um, for serious cause, and um, he answers technically to the um, uh, to the Attorney General who leads the uh, Justice Department, and he in turn, in some regards, but not all, answers to the President. And Christy made a really, really good point that there's always a risk that the FBI can be used politically. However, if you want to then say, okay, we should make the FBI more independent, we should be allow them to operate uh, with safeguards, but independent. Well, we kind of had that in the earlier parts of the Trump administration. And the only thing we saw was, I don't know how else to define it, a, a witch hunt for nothing, a Russian witch hunt, where some things found, yes. Where it was the thing that was the smoking gun discovered after two years and and uh, all the authority that the FBI could throw its weight around? No. And so the FBI, even in its independent status, was still used as a political tool. So I don't know if there is a way to make it. Yeah. No, and I think I agree with you. This is like a lot deeper issue that would take many layers to peel back. Um, but I do think one of the problems is that the FBI just has too much power to do whatever they want. Because if, if you did look at what the FBI has been able to do on human trafficking and child mm. porn and things like that, they have done excellent work that you could argue a local agency actually could not do because a local agency could be blocked by other local agencies. You can get the picture. So there, and that stuff's not all over the news because the FBI in some, on some level has to uh, not publicize what they do and how they catch these people. So some of what they do is extremely valuable, but is it time to narrow what they do and not just give them free reign over whatever the AG commands them to do and the ability to so freely politicize, whether by being controlled by a president or by being independent, both have caused problems, serious problems. So I, I'm happy to deep dive into this one also. I think this would be fun, but the the thought-provoking statement I would leave off with on that, that particular topic at least is uh, there's no provision for a federal criminal code in the United States constitution and the FBI's sole, ch- support one. <laughs> the FBI's sole charge, it, what that should be, or accordingly is enforcing a federal criminal code that has since been created. And, and now there are federal crimes for just about everything, but that provision does not exist in the U.S. Constitution. I'd be curious in our deep dive to bring up the uh, U.S. Marshals 
who are kind of a predecessor of law enforcement to the FBI for the federal government. Um, okay. Anything else? I think, I think we are going to deep dive this. This sounds right for us to do because there's a lot to pull out of this. Um, anything else on this matter? Not now later. <laughs> Perfect. Um, shout outs. Um, hey, I will take it first and shout out to your wife, Stanton, because I know you always shout out to her, but I am going to shout out to her. <laughs> I've gotten to meet her. I love her. And her list of ideas for us was wonderful. So oh, that's great. thank you so much. Oh, I'm glad you liked her. I do. I was, I'm going to stay on theme with this. I'm going to give a shout out to Stanton. So uh, Stanton fantastically has, has taken the reins and, and helped us look at how to make this thing better and how to make uh, all of you guys who are listening, enjoy this even more and uh, share this with your friends. And so we really are making a concerted effort to make sure that we're giving you guys what you want and what you need. And a lot of that is because of Stanton. So Stanton, thank you to you and your wife. Oh, mm, there we go. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, well, darn. Uh, that was so, that was so impactful. Mine, you shout out your dog and get like the whole family in there. Yeah, no joke. My dogs, <laughs> my dogs need some. Um, I'm going to do my shout out to the uh, leadership program of the Rockies class of 2020. Uh, We had a a really nice um, time up in uh, the mountains at a cabin. We uh, fired a lot of guns. We had a good time, smoked some cigars, drank some, uh, drank a lot of alcohol. Sounds like a federal uh, crime to me. I I was uh, not there. Um, But I have to keep up my image. uh, the people who attended, they answered my questions about the podcast. So thank you all for, for helping us um, try and reorient ourselves. So uh, with that, I think we're, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, we do know what's going to be talked about next time. It is certainly going to be self-evident in its nature. It's probably going to be forgotten, though not by you, our wonderful listeners. Uh, you can listen to us. Uh, anywhere you get your podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc., etc., you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at SEF underscore pod. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we will see you next time.